G'day, g'day, guys. Now, before we dive into today's show, I want to ask you a few quick questions. Are you looking to take your investing career to the next level? Are you wanting an accountability partner who will push you to achieve your goals? Are you needing to surround yourself with successful investors and entrepreneurs in order to up your game and take control of your life? Well, if you've answered yes to any of those questions, I am super pumped and excited to announce that I'm starting the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. This mastermind is a group of highly motivated, abundance-orientated, hand-selected hustlers and entrepreneurs who are ready to take that next step in their investing career. We are now taking applications for the next group of champions. If you're interested to find out more, then email me at info, that's I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com and put in the subject line, The Syndicator Incubator. Being a part of this mastermind group, you will have unlimited access to both myself and my business partner, Andrew Campbell, and you will understand how we have been able to build a portfolio of over 1,200 units worth over $120 million in under 24 months, and we've achieved financial freedom in the process. There are once a month mastermind calls with the group and a yearly conference where you will learn from the best in the business. So what are you waiting for? There are only limited spots, so get your application pack by emailing me at info at reedgoosens.com. And remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. I think it all starts with the mindset, first of all, right? And, and we hear this all the time, but it is so true. You're going to have the mindset. You're going to have a strong mindset uh, or, or that, that intent to change, right? So, you know, part of that mindset is, is the want to change, you know, you, that, that, that need to change, not that want to change, that need to change. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reid Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow, and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Juan Vargas. Juan is a successful multifamily real estate investor, syndicator, podcast host of the new up-and-coming podcast called Commit to Wealth Podcast. And to top it all off, he is one hell of a bloke, and you can take it from me that I've given him that stamp of approval. He has a massive passion for creating uh, passive income for his, him and his family. Um, so, but I'm really excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and his knowledge. But enough out of me, let's get him out here. G'day, Juan. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on your show. It's, it's such a pleasure to be here. So, so thank you so much uh, for that, Reed. My pleasure, mate. And I, I know you and I have got to know each other a little bit over the last couple of years, and I had the pleasure of being on your show. And 
Um, yeah, I can really do say that you're, you're one of the top blokes, mate. I, I, I hold you uh, in high esteem and you're down to earth type of guy and Thank you're a straight shooter. And, and every time we've had an interaction, you, you've, you've, you know, you shot me straight. So I, I like that about you. And I'm really glad that you've come on the show. Stop, I'll stop kissing your ass now, but uh, let's, get, let, let's, let, let's get into it. Um, mate, I ask my, my guests uh, every single time they come on the show is rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. So um, I can definitely go back. Um, so, you know, going back as a kid, I mean, my dad was an entrepreneur, you know, he, he's a you know, trade, uh, you know, a trade background, you know, as a welder, right? So that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would go to work. And, you know, I, you know, after work, um, he would also do his, his little side job at, at home, right? So he built a little shop in the, in the back of our house, you know, we had like five acres. And so we built that. And, um, and so he would do his, his uh, kind of thing there, right? Um, so the first few few bucks as a kid was was actually helping my dad out, right? So helped my dad out and um, you know doing different services for people. So we we'd have uh, it was a welding business is what it was essentially. Um, and so I started to weld, you know, at the age of eleven, uh, doing all kinds of different things. And, and imagine a little eleven year old kid. And so when people would come over and they needed something welded or some kind of little minor job, and you know my dad was the one that got paid, but I was the one that would get a little little tip, you know. So. Um, you know, so that, that was pretty cool to, to know that, Hey, you can, you can make some, some money doing, doing something. Right. So that was pretty cool. That, that was pretty much the, uh, the way that I, that I was able to make my few first few bucks. Yes. That's awesome. And it's, it's also on the tools, right? Like understanding the value of grafting, understanding the gra- value of rolling up the sleeves and getting dirty because, uh, you know, to learn that value of a dollar, it can become is a hard lesson as a kid, right? You don't, it doesn't just come grow, grow on trees. And if you come from a family like myself, and probably similar to yourself, you know, not not you know, modest means, nothing wealthy, but also not you know, not on the top of the tree. Yeah, you got to understand that value of a dollar. So I think it's really, really important. Um, so, so walk us through the journey of how you've got to where you are today. You know, what, did you go to uni? Did you study? Did you go out and get jobs and then you know quit the job and become an entrepreneur? What, 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 fill us in on the uh, the in between bits. Sure, sure, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, th- that's what I did. You know, right. So I, I helped my dad out, and and so I learned to become you know good, good with working my hands. Right. So I was I was a good. Uh, you know, trade uh, position, right? That's what I, that's what I learned to do. Um, so coming out of, out of a high school, I actually graduated high school a little early um, and then, you know, went to go work and uh, help my, my parents out, you know, a little bit more financially. Uh, my dad was the only one that worked and so I had five siblings. Um, so I went wow. to go work a little bit and uh, from there, um, you know, I felt that I was, after working for a couple of years, I felt that I was already too old to go back to, to regular school, regular college. Um, so I was like, you know what, let me, let me figure out what I want to do here. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm good with working with my hands. Um, you know, I know, I know that well, um, cause that's what I was taught as a kid. Um, and so I was like, I like cars. Wait, Hey, how, how about I put them together and go, go to a trade school and go work on cars. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I, I went to go work. Um, I went to go to a trade school. I went to go work for a BMW. Um, I did that for, for several years. Um, and you know, I, I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed it while I was there, but you know, as anything else, um, it's a, it's a job, it's a, it's a skill set position. Um, and so one thing to, to know with skill, skill set positions is that if you get good at them, uh, which I was getting really good at, at it, um, it could be a bad thing because it, then it becomes a trap, right? Because then mm. you're, you're, you know, you're relying on yourself, uh, to be able to make that income. And if you can't produce, then there's no income. So it, it, it becomes a trap. And, and I started to realize that after, after a while as well. It's interesting you say that a trap, you, you become pigeonholed right your, your your only value is based on your skill set and that goes for anything right but i guess especially with a trade that if you only know how to weld or you only know how to do one particular part of of, of being a mechanic that's all you're going to ever do and you're going to be pigeonholed for that and you become a piece of the big machine and obviously working with bmw that's a huge machine right so i could <laughs> i could i could imagine that you uh, you you felt maybe undervalued. Is that is that the right word? That's a hundred percent the 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 word. Um, and so, you know, I I had pride in what I did. And I mean, I you know, I had a team. You know, I was a team leader there, and and you know those kind of things, right? So I had pride in what I did. But then at the end of the day, you're you know, for the people that you know that see you, you know, everybody else outside is like you're just a mechanic, man. You know, for us, mm-hmm. we, we felt that we were you know advanced you know techs, you know, because we're we're taking apart you know one hundred. $120,000 cars uh, from, you know, bumper to bumper. And we're doing all kinds of electronics and, and softwares. I mean, it's one big computer that you're working on. It's not just, you know, underneath the car, you know, changing oil. It's nothing like that, right? Um, it's, it's a piece of it. But we, we felt that, you know, we, 
you know, we did a really, really good job and it was, you know, it's an advanced machine, uh, but to the outside world is you're just, you know, a technician or just a mechanic. So yeah, you're hundred percent accurate in, in that word that I, I definitely feel undervalued. Um, but, um, you know, I still, you know, still went ahead and proceeded with it. I think, I think the, the, the changing point for me was, uh, you know, I, during that time, you know, I had three boys, right. I'm married. I had three boys. Um, and so I wasn't really spending time with the boys, you know, and, and so, um, you know, I was trying to find out ways that I can, you know, create, you know, passive income because, you know, try to try to spend more time with them. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, real estate, kept wife, up. by the way, <laughs> your poor wife, three boys. Please. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm, all, I'm, I'm busy all the time. So um, and so, yeah, uh, real estate was one of the things that kept popping up, right? Hey, you know, if you get into real estate, you can definitely create some passive income. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, so how do I do that? Right. Uh, well, one of the things was, you know, my dad was already in real estate. He, he told me even as a kid, Hey, you know, you should buy some houses, but um, you know, he's the one that pretty much did everything, right? He was the, the guy that did uh, from, from A through Z, you know? Um, and so um, seeing him, I, I was like, you know, I don't want to really do this. You know, because you're underneath the sink, you're, you're over here mowing the lawn, you're doing all these kind of different things that like, I really don't want to do that. Right. And um, you know, surely, you know, once I realized that I wanted to get into real estate, I realized that, you know, he was right, but he was just doing it the incorrect way, right? Um, he wasn't leveraging people, um, and you know, he wasn't you know doing uh, doing it with scale. So, um, you know, that's that's when you know I realized, okay, I'm gonna get into real estate, and you know, and, and I did that. It was through single family homes. And so, talk to me about the, the that time, that exact time where you realized I'm undervalued at BMW. I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I've got three boys at home, and my wife is is at home with the three boys. What was that exact moment that you realized I've got to take control of this situation? Yeah. So it's, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I was driving home, right. I was driving home and, you know, I was actually thinking about buying a new truck. Right. And then I, I was driving home and it was, I was stuck in traffic and, you know, I was kind of frustrated for, you know, a long day. Right. Cause you're there like pretty much all day. Um, and then I was, uh, I realized that, you know what, why am I even thinking about buying a new truck? If I'm, if I buy a new truck, I'm going to be stuck here even longer. Right. So I need to do things to help me get out of here. Not like to keep me here. Right. So, so I, I did away with that, you know, idea of getting a brand new truck. Um, and then I was like, okay, I need to make this change because I'm stuck here in traffic. I'm, I'm here, you know, an hour and a half, you know, just, just driving down this road. Um, and, and it's, you know, do I see myself doing this for the rest of my life? You know, is this what, what, is, what I was meant to do? Like, you know, and so it's one of those aha moments where you're like, man, is this really what you want, you know, to, to be in here doing this every single day and your, your kids, by the time you get home, your, your kids are, are already in bed and, you know, all you do is get, get home, you give them a kiss, you, you eat, you have dinner and then you go take a shower and, you know, and you're ready for the next day. You know, that's, that's pretty right. much the cycle, you know? Um, so I would say that was the aha moment, just realizing, Hey, do I, do I really want to be stuck here longer or do I want to make a change? And if I want to make a change, then I need to make, take action now. Like there, there's no reason to wait. So, but, but you, you, you know, frustration, so many people are frustrated with their everyday life. So many people mm -hmm. are frustrated with the grind to take action on that is something completely different and, and to change your mindset around that. Because I know personally, I had the same issue, I had the same frustrations that I was working for someone else. I just wasn't, I knew I wasn't, my time wasn't effectively being used to create myself freedom, you know, time freedom that is. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that because there's the, there's the want and the need and the frustration build up, but how'd you go and take action? What was those steps that you did in order to juggle your day job and then go out and start doing real estate? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. I think there's a lot of pieces in that, right? It's not just like one or two things. I think there are several different things. I think it all starts with the mindset, first of all, right? And, and we hear this all the time, but it is so true. You gotta have the mindset. You gotta have a strong mindset uh, or, or that, that intent to change, right? So, you know, part of that mindset is, is the want to change, you know, you, that, that, that need to change, not that want to change, that need to change. Um, and so part of that is, is to make sure that, Hey, you know, being with those guys at work, it was, it was, it was fun. It was great, but then they have a certain level of thinking, right? So you kind of have to separate yourself a little bit, right? And that's kind of mm. what I did. I had to kind of separate myself um, a little bit and, you know, the, the times where, where they were going doing things, I had to separate myself and, and you know, and dive myself into, into real estate to learn even more um, and, and to, to do those kind of things, right? And, and so you have to get a little bit out of your comfort zone. That's when you start, you know, shifting out of your comfort zone. Um, and, and so you have to give that 100% dedication that you're going to make this happen and, and, you know, hold yourself accountable and, and set dates. Um, but 
yeah, it, it wasn't an easy process. I would say it was an easy process just going through that shift. Um, you know, because, you know, people at work start to notice they're like, you know, what are you doing? Right. You're, what are you, you, try, you think you're, you're better than us or what, what are you trying to do? And, and it's the truth, you know, like people start talking, people start noticing, um, but you have to be true to yourself and, and know what you want. Right. Right. No, and it's so true when you, you do start to, to shift and other people look at you as if they're an equal or a PR uh, in the workplace, whatever that workplace might be. And then when you start changing that and, and going off to pursue something else, ultimately they're frustrated themselves that, and they're jealous that you are taking change and they're trying to drag you down and give you criticism and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's you know, one of the hardest transitions when going from any job to, to being, you know, going out on the whim and you know, changing the, 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 the charting your new course in life a lot of people are going to judge you and a lot of people are going to judge it because it's not the way in which society is taught. And so I think it's, it's hard when you first start to, to have the resolve to know that you're doing the right thing. But I think that's, that's awesome. And, and, and kudos to you for, for your character and credibility to keep pushing through because there probably would have been some tough moments, right? Oh, de definitely. You know, and people, even though they're your friends, you know, they really don't want to see you any higher they want to they don't want to see you succeed as, as much right i mean that, that's just the, the truth you know like as human beings you know we tend to be a little selfish at times um and and you know you just have to you know like i said you have to make that change and you have to just do whatever it takes and, and make that change and um it, it's tough while you're going through it it's, it's tough you know so you know if, if you have a w2 job and you want to make that change you have to give up some things and you have to change um and and have that dedication uh, and people are going to notice and, and they're going to say things you know but just you got to build that th thick skin, so to speak. You know, thick skin, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, talk to me about the, the first deal that you did do. It was with your dad, or did you go out and, and did you start learning from other people? What were those first, sort of first steps in order to make that transition into um, into real estate investing? Yeah. So, uh, the the first you know couple of deals were single family homes, and yeah, those were um, those were on our own, right? It wasn't through my dad or anything, but um, you know, it, we did it the traditional way, just you know, go through a bank and and you know down you know 10% 5-10% or whatever it was and um and then you know do the traditional financing right so that was the way that that I that I got into real estate um luckily for me uh I was only a couple in and that's when I realized that hey you know th there's a better way out there right which was you know for me at that time was uh it was multifamily right um and, and I, I guess I'll get into that story real quick but um so I was vacant in one of my houses uh my last house and, and I had a tenant there for, for a good while he was a good tenant uh, he ended up leaving. Um, you know, he he was in the military. He had to uh, um, to go. He was stationed to somewhere else, and so he left. Um, and and so what that did for for me is, you know, I marketed the house. I, I did all, all I could, and, and I thought I was doing a good job. Um, but for whatever reason, I didn't get a tenant. And and hmm. looking back, that was the best thing that ever happened, right? That was that was the best thing in disguise because what happened there was. <clears throat> You know, I was vacant. I was paying for the, the mortgage. I was paying for the utilities. I was paying for, you know, any repairs that needed to be done. Um, and and I, then there was another aha moment there, right? So the aha moment for me was, man, you know what? I'm, I'm vacant here on this house. There's one tenant. So that means I'm 100% vacant, right? And and if I have a, a multifamily property, it's just a 10 unit, um, you know, just thinking about it, just a 10 unit and you're one guy down, you're, you're one tenant down, then you're still 90% occupied. And so it just the, the scale right there was that like this makes so much sense just to go larger instead of keep buying houses. Um, so that's the route I'm going to take. And and so yeah, that was the. Did you did you use anyone anyone Did you get a mentor? Did you get any advice when you started you know buying these first houses, or did you just go out and start doing it? Did you look at any markets? Did you know that it needed to be down the road in a certain area that was transitioning? Like did did anyone teach you any of the, the basic fundamentals that you need to learn before you start going buying your first property? Yeah, that's a very good question. So it, it really, I didn't have a mentor. It was more on uh, just me reading books, right? Me reading books and, and reading blogs. I think a, a good one out there is, is bigger pockets. So, you know, anybody out there that, you know, that checks out bigger pockets, I mean, you're able to learn just a, a, a whole lot, right? Uh, bigger pockets has a wealth of information. And I was able to pick up a lot of good information, you know, just like rule of thumbs um, that you want to look for, um, you know, just, just different, different tips. Right. And so you're on, you can be on the website for, for years. It seems like, because there's, there's so much information, right. Um, I know you're, you're pretty involved in there as well. Um, and you have a lot of good, you know, uh, colleagues that, that are, that are involved in, on, in bigger pockets in a deep level as well. Uh, but 
but yeah, I think that's one of the, the, the best things you could do for anybody out there that's looking to learn, whether it's multifamily, single family, you know, self-storage, whatever it is, anything real estate related, you know, bigger pockets is, is, a, is a great uh, wealth of knowledge. Uh, but yeah, so I was there a lot and, and in books, you know, you, just books and, and podcasts, right? So um, I actually came across yours, um, you know, I, I want to say maybe during that time or, or, or shortly after uh, multifamily, uh, my first my first deal. So um, yours was one of the ones that I, that I started listening to. So I want to thank you, you know, just here, like oh, right here on the show. You. I want to thank you for, for that because, um, you know, a lot of good, good information that you provided, you know, for, for the audience and you, you've had a lot of great guests. So, so yeah, um, yours was definitely the first ones that, that I started listening oh. to. I do not know that, but thank you very much. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I didn't pay him to say that, all right? I'll, I'll send him a check in the mail later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> but but, but it's, it's, look, the, the transition is, is tough, right? And, and I would imagine you've gone through some ups and downs, but to be self-educated because it, it sort of goes to you as a person, as a human being, to have this ability to grind and, and figure it out. And I think that's really important in life. You're a problem solver, right? You didn't just go out and, um, you know, you, you were willing to take a risk even if you didn't, you know, through self-education. You know, I know when I did my self-education, I got to a point where I needed that mentor to take me to that next level um, because I just didn't know, particularly transitioning from single family into, into multifamily. Um, but it sounds like on your, your path and your journey, it was very much self-education and backing yourself and backing the knowledge that you had created. So in, in, its, in that of, of itself, is a quite a unique skill. So, um, so you shouldn't ever, you know, push that one under the carpet because that, that, that's quite, it's, it's quite awesome to see someone and explain that that story is from a self-education, just going out and taking action and just putting one foot in front of the other. And that's all it is, right? It's nothing more sexy than that besides just taking goddamn action. <laughs> there you go. Right. That's a hundred percent. Right. And, and no, no, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's a hundred percent the way to, to do it. If you really want to learn, I mean, yes, you can get all the education in the world. I mean, we, you know, you can have the best mentors in the world and, and uh, they can hold your hand, but at the end of the day, you still got to take action, right? They can only tell you so much right. and, and, you know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to push you all the way. Right. I mean, they can only help, help you uh, so much. So, um, you know, the best course of education is definitely taking action and, and, and moving forward. Right. And I'll also add to that, you mentioned Bigger Pockets, a great, great resource for people out there who are getting started. I do also remember when I first moved to the United States, um, for my journey point of view, the United States has got so much information and your, your journey is an example of that information at people's fingertips. And you, you're clearly evidence of the wealth of information out there, the books, the podcasts, the, the education platforms, that you can spend relatively little money and get quite well, you know, good quality education in order to go off and, you know, you're an example, in order to go off and execute. So I know when I came, I was like, I was blown away at how the REARS, the Real Estate Investment Associations had these great speakers and you spend 30 bucks and you get these incredible information. You go buy a book for $15 and, you know, some of the stuff I'd have to pay thousands of dollars to a guru in Australia. Now that was obviously back in the day, things have probably mm -hmm. changed, but it's the evidence that there, you know, ignorance isn't an excuse anymore, right? You have, you can go out if you're, if you're passionate enough and you've got the desire and you've got them enough frustration, like yourself, you can go out and take action and just start learning. And it's so simple, right? It's, it's the simplest thing to do, which is turn on a podcast, read a blog, read a book. So bloody, so bloody easy. Um, uh, do you have any comments on that before we? Before well, no, we I was just gonna say you're you're right on that. And, and people, the the problem is, I think is a lot of people want you know that uh, that gratification right away. So they right. they don't want to go through all that education. They want to, you know results today, results tomorrow, right? But but mm -hmm. the truth is, it, it takes time to be able to get there, right? You can't just just you know yeah, you can take action, but like you're gonna make a lot of mistakes. So you gotta educate as much as you can. So and, and a lot of good things that are out there that are free, like you said. So yeah, very very good. When did you get started? So in, in single family or in multifamily? Yeah, yeah, no, no, just, just your journey. When did you, when did, when did that, when was that decision? What year was it when you said, I'm getting out of uh, BMW and being mechanic? Yeah, so 20, 2014, 2015. Um, right. And then, yeah, multifamily was 2016. Got it. So let's talk about that transition into multifamily. You had a, you had a single family property. Um, and I should, I should ask for all the listeners out there, where are you based right now? Where, where are you investing? Sure, in Houston, in, in Houston, uh, I'm based in Houston. So, but you know, we we have properties in you know Houston, Dallas, and you know in Phoenix. Um, so those are the main markets that we focus on. Yeah, interesting. Um, and so, talk to me about that transition into multifamily real estate. What was 
did you go out and change the game at all in terms of the people who you surrounded yourself with in order to get involved in multifamily? And what did that first deal look like? Yes, yes, that's hundred percent. And I keep saying hundred percent because it's, it's man, you're, you're just right on. You have to be able to um, change your network, right? And that's so very important, right? And if I want to be, a, you know, a great multifamily syndicator, then I'm going to hang around with guys like Reed, right? I mean, guys that are taking down some 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 nice deals and great markets. And if I want to do single family, then go hang out with the single family guys, right? You you can't you can't really get the the um, education or the advice or 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 just be involved around the guys that, that are not doing those things that you want to do, right? So it just it just mm-hmm. doesn't work. Um, but but yes, I started doing that. So part of that was just networking. Um, a lot of it was just listening to podcasts, like, like I said, but, um, and, and then, you know, taking action. So, um, you know, as far as the, the deal that itself, um, you know, that was a deal that, you know, as I said, you know, on the, on the last single family house, you know, I was vacant. And so I was like, you know what, let me, let me take action and let me find a multifamily property because this is the best way for me. Um, and, and so I started to reach out to brokers, um, and, and brokers, unfortunately didn't necessarily take me seriously because, I guess, I guess they did take me seriously, but they were sending me, you know, properties that did not fit, right? Um, and because I didn't have experience, you know, just at that time, I was like, well, I still want to get into, into multifamily. What can I do? And so that's when I started to uh, to reach out to, to, to owners, you know, directly um, and through, uh, through calling owners or through doing direct mail. Um, and so I sent out direct mail letters, and, and that's the way I was able to acquire my first deal, right? Um, Interesting. Through direct mail, yeah. Wow. So, so the traditional route of which everyone says is like, oh, you got the brokers that got the keys to the, the the kingdom, right? In terms of large multifamily and on the probably on the larger stuff they do. Um, but talk to me about that, that that struggle to get the credibility with brokers initially, because they're obviously they're going to just write, you know, blow you off. So, so did you do anything, you know, any advice for the listeners out there to go out and start building credibility with brokers quickly? Very, very good question. So, for for me. Um, you know, I, I tried to, and I, and I, I give my, my experience that I had on the single family side. Um, and, and it's good. They, they like to see that, you know, you you take action and that definitely puts you on a different level versus somebody, Hey, I haven't owned anything. I just, I want to buy my a multifamily property. It, it's totally put you at a different level. Um, so, but, but it still doesn't like put you into the club, so, so to speak. Right. Because you're still not a multifamily owner. Um, and, and it's not a hundred percent a requirement, but they want to see that you've, you performed in the past, right. That you know what you're talking about. That you're not just wasting their time. That that whenever they see you a deal, that you know what you're gonna do with it, right? Not they're not just gonna see you a deal, and then you're still asking them for advice, right? You gotta know what to do with the deals. <clears throat> and I was still trying to figure that out at that time, right? So you know, I was going. Uh, um, you know, I I realized that hey, I wasn't really gonna go anywhere because I was trying to be honest with myself. Do I have experience? Not really. Not in the multifamily space. Uh, and so what can I do? And the only really choice that I, that I felt that was the, the best course of action was to reach out to owners directly like that. Hey, I'm reaching out to you directly. There's no <clears throat> broker involved. Let's try to get something done. You know, so I'm interrupting this episode to remind you guys about the Syndicator Incubator Mastermind Group. If you want to take your investing career to the next level and surround yourself with the best in the business, then apply today. Spots are filling up fast. I'm only taking a handful of people for the next round, so get your application by emailing me at info, I-N-F-O, at reedgoosens.com. Remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack. Now back into the show. Now that's that's interesting. And so, and so, talk. Let's talk about that. The owner direct mail. How did you go finding these owners? Because they're not just readily available. Hey, one, I'm an owner of a multifamily. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, what 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 resources did you use to go and find the um, a list? Maybe to for, to for sure. Mail for to- sure. So I'm in Houston. So here, what we have is Harris County. So what we did was what I did was go to the the it was called hcat.org. Um, and so it's pretty much, you know, tax assessors website. And, and the good thing about Harris County, because it's such a large county, um, you know, there's, there's so many properties, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of properties, multifamily properties specifically. Um, and so, you know, you can, they have filters on there as well. So you can filter out by zip code. Um, and, and that's what I did. I wanted to find zip codes that were, that were around me, like, you know, in the you know, 30 to 45 minute radius. Um, so I was looking in those specific zip codes. And then another thing that I did was look for properties that, that were owned like three years or later. 
and that was my, my strategy then. And, and why three years later? Uh, the reason for that was because I was like, hey, if it's three years later, then they've owned it long enough. If they recently had bought it, then maybe they're still going through the business plan and they're not ready to sell yet. If they've owned it for three years or longer, then um, maybe they've won their, they've completed their business plan and they're ready to sell. Or they could be longer term owners, 20 years, 15 years, whatever. And yeah, they'll consider a sale for the right price. Everything's for sale for the right price, right? Um, right. So that's why for me, my criteria was three years or later. Um, and then, you know, you can also filter by, by the, the age and all that good stuff. So there's a lot of different things that I did um, on those filters to, to be able to, you know, find the right you know, target properties and, and owners, you know. Um, and, and then so a lot of these are owned by LLCs. And that's the other thing. Um, you know, they have LLC um, uh, names, you know, obviously for, for, the, for the lenders, you know, they want to know. And that's also for asset protection. But um, and so how do you find who the owner is, you know, behind the LLC? That's a whole nother trick in itself. Uh, but there's there's websites out there that you can find that out. You can find a little bit more information about that. Uh, there's one specifically that's called Corporation Wiki. Um, yeah, I believe that's the name, Corporation Wiki. Uh, I don't know if it's .com or .org. I have to, you know, I have to you know, look that up. But but that's one where you can type in the LLC and then you can see the, who the managers are and, and you know, all that good stuff. So the, I don't recommend you guys try to look us up. Don't, don't do that just for your own uh, benefit, for your own properties. But um, but that's a good source that you can use uh, to try to find some of the owners. Because wh whenever you write these letters, you want to make sure that you're writing to to the owner, to the actual person, not the LLC. You don't want to write dear, L you know, ABC LLC because these guys are, are just going to grab it and throw it in the trash. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you couldn't even do the time and put in the effort to find out who, who the owner is. You know, if it's Reed Goosens and, you know, write it to Reed Goosens, not ABC LLC. You know, it just it doesn't make <laughs> sense. So they're not going to waste any time with you either, right? Um, right. And so... Yeah, that's, that was the process, right? Just, just uh, you know, send out letters. These were handwritten, by the way, um, because I wanted to find out, you know, trying to do a, a competitive advantage. You know, if they're getting letters from other people that, that are just, um, you know, printed, I wanted to do something different, which, which was handwritten. And, and I actually got some pretty, good, um, some pretty good calls out of them as well. Interesting. And so talk to me about how many people you had to, what size properties were you looking at first and foremost? Sure, sure. So, I was looking at properties that were like in the, the 40 to 50 unit range and below, right? So really okay. like, like anywhere from the 20 to 50 unit range, uh, maybe some 60s in there. But, um, and the reason for that is because if I go any larger, then these are, these guys could be more sophisticated. They're not going to sell mm -hmm. to, a, to a letter that comes in the mail, right? They're, they'll, right. They'll, go, they'll have the relationship, uh, relationships with the brokers. Um, and so my strategy there was like, hey, maybe I'll target, you know, some mom and pop type of owners. Um, they have owned the property for a long time and, and you know, they'll appreciate a letter from somebody, you know, maybe they could be older or whatever. Right. Um, so that was the strategy there. So and also because, you know, the, the price point, right. It's a lot more achievable versus trying to go for a hundred unit for your first deal. You know, it's it just, you know, just thinking about it from a mind, mindset, uh, viewpoint, um, it was just a lot more achievable going like 50 units and below. So how many people did you send a letter to in that sort of 40 or call it 30 to 60 unit range before you got a hit? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, luckily for me, I actually got uh, a few hits um, um, right away. So I was sending, uh, I was sending them in bunches, maybe a hundred, hundred letters or so um, every, every couple of weeks. Wow. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but you know, for your hand, you know, ask your hand if it's a lot, it's a lot yeah. for your hand, right? hundred letters. Um, it's a lot, man. Yeah. It's a lot, you know, and, and, yeah, it's not the most, um, uh, you know, productive way to do it, but that, that's what I knew then, right? Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, do whatever it takes to get it done, and, and that's what I did. And, and, you know, luckily for me, I was able to, to get some, some, uh, some, some calls back. Um, some of these owners were asking for ridiculous prices. Uh, luckily, shortly after that, I got a call from, from somebody that, that, that was a couple. They were ready for retirement, um, and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll consider it. So, you know, let's, let's, let's talk. And so I was like, okay, sure, let's let's do it. So that that was my that ended up being my first deal. And so walk me through that process of what what did you discuss on the first call? How did you get the financials out of these owners, particularly if they're mom and pop, that they might not be as sophisticated as you and I with spreadsheets and all that sort of stuff. So how did you get the right numbers out of them in order to see what the current net operating income was in order to value the asset appropriately? Yeah, yeah. So so once once I got uh, the the uh, once I got some some feedback from them and, and we started building some rapport, um, you know you know I pretty much told them hey you know um, let's let, let's try to work together um, you know before I can make you an offer you know we would need to see the financials uh, the bank would need to see the financials as well 
Um, so if you can share those financials, then you know that would be great. Like that, we can you know get something going. Um, they, they, I guess they they trusted me in, in a way because you know we, we kind of built that rapport. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I will say that it, it did take me going to to see them and, and having lunch uh, with them. So it was it was a older couple, um, and, I, and I went to lunch with with, uh, with them and, and as well as my wife. So there's a lot of things in common. And so they felt comfortable, you know, so it, it takes those type of things for these smaller type of mom and pop uh, type of owners. It, that's what it takes, right? Even on the larger ones, you know, sometimes it takes that and, and they'll, they'll like you and, you know, then you can strike a deal, right? Um, but, uh, you know, in that situation, we, we, we went to lunch. Um, we, we had, we built some good rapport. Uh, my wife is, is a nurse, uh, you know, the, the wife's, uh, the seller's um, wife was, was, her daughter was a nurse as well. So there's a lot of, you know, common things there. Um, and so they have single family and you know, it's a multifamily, obviously. Um, and then they felt comfortable. They, 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 they saw us, they met us. Um, we had a good conversation. Then they felt comfortable, like, you know, releasing financials and, and going from there. Right. So sometimes it takes those kind of extra things, you know, and to, to get, to get to that next step. Right. Um, and so you just got to be genuine, um, you know, tell them where you're coming from, be honest, be authentic. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, and, and people can see through the lines and if you're not being authentic, then, you know, then they'll, they'll realize that. So, um, yeah. So once I had the financials, um, then we're able to, to understand, Hey, this property actually makes sense. You know, it, and what, you know, what did, what did you buy? What did you buy it for? You don't have to tell me exact numbers, but, but approximate cap rates, what were you buying it at? Yeah. So the cap rate on this deal was, um, close to 11%. It was wow, eleven percent. Yeah, so and that's so, on a sixty-unit property. Was it? Was it? No, no, no. This is a, a thirty-two-unit. This is a thirty-two. Thirty-two-unit. So, yes. so was it? Was it fifty percent vacant? Was it? You know, was it a lot of vacancy, or was it just that was no, what it was? No, it was in the nineties. It was it was a stabilized deal in the nineties, uh, close to eleven percent cap rate. Um, you know, and 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 so I couldn't. So so because of the price, the price point was around 30, 32 a door, 31 a door, right? So mm-hmm. um, because of the price points, I mean, it was like a million, right? So th- the yep. loan amount was less than a million. So whenever I tried to get financing, you know, I, I realized that, hey, Fannie and Freddie are going to be out because the loan amount is less mm-hmm. than a million, right? So those guys are out automatically. Um, and so the, the really the, the choice for me, the only choice for me was to go through a bank, right? And so, you know, that was another learning process, right? You know, and this is before, I, you know, I knew all about multifamily. I just knew that the numbers work. There's just income, then there's expenses, and you pay a debt service, whatever that, that number could be. And then there, if there's money left over, then the deal makes sense, right? That, that's, that was my right. kind of thinking then, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, so I had to go through a lot of different hurdles to, to get to find financing for the deal, right? Um, I, I want to say I spoke to like 11 different, different guys, and they all pretty much told me no. Uh, is that going to work? No, no, because why? The deal, the area, the deal, you... So me, I didn't have the, okay. like a strong, uh, strong experience, you know, in multifamily. Uh, two, it was because the loan amount was less than a million, right? So mm-hmm. you know they want to stay a million or more, really. You know that's on the lower end. Uh, if you especially want to go like a small balance, Freddie or, or, or Fanny, um, and so 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 those were really the main reasons. Um, and, and you know they weren't even really, really looking at the financials. They just like, oh, what's the purchase price? Well, do you have any experience? It was that kind of thing, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. just getting started, so I'm trying to earn my stripes, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're driving home. You know, I had to talk to a few different, you know, lenders, and, and we're driving home, my wife and I. And I was like, man, I'm not going to give up. You know, we, we told them that we're going to secure financing. I, I can't give up. And so then, you know, I was driving, and, and, you know, then I saw another bank, and I was like, you know what, let me take this exit. What if I just walk in there and talk to them? You know, what's the worst? I've already been turned down so many times. <laughs> And so then, uh, you know, I made an exit real quick and, you know, walk in there and I'm like, Hey, can I speak to someone that's, uh, that, that focuses on the commercial lending department? Um, and they're like, yeah, sure. His name is, uh, Greg, you know? And so I was like, okay, you know, let me go talk to Greg and walk in there. And I was like, Hey Greg, you know, just pretty much tell him the whole thing. Right. Um, but, but I think, you know, what, what, what changed in this situation was, you know, I provided everything. I was like, here's the financial of the property. Here's my personal financials. Here's even my credit report. I mean, here's, here's what I want to do with the property. Uh, you know, you had a you had a business plan, right? You, you had a you, business you plan in place. Yes. Yep. So that's one one thing that I learned. You know, after speaking with all these other ones, was I didn't really, you know, have it. Um, it wasn't really um, something that that was um, game changing for them, right? I, I couldn't mm. really persuade them to to, to do it because uh, you know I didn't know what I was doing, right? I, I wasn't providing that right at that at that one moment. But on the final one, I was like, yeah, here's everything that I have right here. Let's let you know what can you provide or what can we do something. And then he's like, okay, well, tell me about the purchase price. 
um, you know, tell me about the, the deal. Tell me about the, the, the area. And he's like, man, you know, the, the deal makes sense. I mean, the numbers make sense. You know, how many people have you talked to? And I was like, well, I've talked to at least 11 or so. And he's like, wow. <laughs> he's like, okay, well, let me, let me look at this deal. Um, let me drive out there uh, tomorrow. Um, once I drive out there, check it out, then I will give you a call back. How does that sound? Hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure. I, you know, I was just excited that he didn't tell me no at that moment, right? <laughs> uh, he gives me a call back the next day, and he's like, yes, you know, I, I want to do it. Let, let's go. Let's, let's do it. That's awesome. And so, you know, what I learned at, the, at that moment is, you know, just lay it all on the line, right? Just tell him everything, you know, and, and um, be prepared, you know, as much as possible. And, and that's, that was, uh, I think, something that really helped, you know, helped me on, that, on the last one. It, it, it probably was also a big example of you finally perfected your pitch, right? Your pitch got better after being rejected 11 times. That's just really 11 examples that you didn't have your shit together. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and you needed that, you needed that 11th or 12th person, 11 or 12 runs or, or strikes at the ball before you actually connected. And then boom, you hit it and you that, got on a base, right? That, and that's, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. You're, you're right. And, and you just got to keep pushing, right? I mean, just because, you know, 10 people tell you no or 11 people tell you no, doesn't mean that it's, it's going to stay a no, right? You're going to find right. that one yes, right? So yeah, exactly. that's what it takes with anything out there, right? Not just, you know, this property that I acquired, right? Everything out there, you know, keep pushing until, until you, get, you get that one yes. Awesome, man. Well, mate, what are you, what are you now doing? Where, where are you looking right now? Where, how's the portfolio grown since that time? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, so... Uh, we have about, you know, uh, 600 units uh, under management. Um, you know, nice. we're uh, a couple more that we'll be taking on here, here very soon. Um, and, you know, you know, I'm a GP and, and a couple other deals, uh, small, smaller GP ownership and limited partner as well. And a little over a thousand units. I think, um, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of us that want to get into, into the, the game as a syndicator. Um, you know, I just, you know, I think that it's also a really good idea to, to be a passive investor as well. Um, because you know, one, you're able to learn from the syndicators. Um, you're able to, to see, you know, kind of, kind of behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, you're, you're, you're seeing the decisions that they're making. Um, you're seeing a lot of activity month to month. Um, but also at the same time, you're getting paid for it, right? They're, you're getting paid right. for it to, to learn right behind the scenes. You're able to build a good relationship with these guys. So, so yeah, a little bit of a passive, a little bit of a GP and, and you know, uh, yeah, syndication for sure. Awesome, man. Awesome. And so what does 2020 have in store for you, uh, both personally and professionally? Yeah, uh, very good question. Um, personally, you know, just, uh, you know, keep pushing and, and spend more time with the family. That's, that's really the, the, the biggest goal. Um, you know, spend, spend more time with the family, you know, go on some more, you know, a couple of vacations this year. We, we really haven't had much, much time for that. But uh, uh, professionally, I would say we're, we're looking to acquire three to four more deals um, here within uh, the, the Texas markets, you know, Houston or DFW or, or, or Phoenix as well. Uh, so three to four more deals um, by the end of 2020 is, is, is the goal. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome, man. Well, look, I know you've got some pretty incredible hurdles to be covering in the next little while. Um, last question before we, we jump uh, into the top five investing tips is are you still using those um, guerrilla marketing techniques to find your, your off-market deals? So I, I have not because, you know, now I'm focusing uh, on, you know, the broker relationships, you know, we're focusing on larger deals. Mm -hmm. Um However, you know, just recently I, I, um, I met with a, a guy that's starting out and he, he actually listened to my story, right? So similar story. And he's, he's, in a, he's in my shoes like, you know, a few years back, right? Um, and so he, um, we actually had a call just yesterday as well. And, and so we connected and, and so he wants to work on, on, the, on that marketing, right? And so, um, you know, he actually showed me that there's a, there's a machine that you can buy that, that does the, the handwriting. So it, it appears as if it's handwritten. Um, and he was telling me about that. So he's like, he's a real good, like tech guy. Um, he's really advanced, you know, tech guy. And he was like, man, look at this, check this out. I was like, wow, that's genius. Like, what was this thing? Like, you know, three, four years ago, like when I needed this thing. Um, but, but yeah, so, so to answer your question, yeah, I will still most likely, you know, work with him on the smaller deals because I think the smaller deals are still good to, to have as a GP yeah. type of deals, right? Um, you know, 100%. you're, you're going to have higher ownership and, and, you know, mo, you know, you can have some good More pride in those flow. deals as well. Can, you know, cash flow, higher cash flow usually on the smaller deals, except the downside is that there's more, is more time involved. They're more management mm. intensive. So there's, it's not all pros, you know, it, there's some, right. there's, there's some definitely down, downside to that. Uh, but, but, but it also it also gives you an experience into own, managing your own deals, right? And so you've got to maybe build out your little mousetrap around, you know, maybe getting three or four little 30 or 40 unit properties together and have, you know, two, two, two managers and a couple of, you know, tech maintenance guys that can cruise around and, and now you become your own property management company. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, just because like you and I are doing larger properties doesn't mean that 
you know, is a, is a fit for everybody. You know, some people prefer right. the, you know, the smaller deals and, and that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I still want to do the smaller deals too, you know, so, um, you know, definitely a good way, but, but yeah, going back, you know, we're focusing on the larger ones, but, but yeah, definitely open to the smaller ones as well. Awesome stuff, man. Well, I know at the end of every show, I like to get into the top five investing tips. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Yeah, um, that's a very good one. Uh, you know, try to stay on top of what's going on in the market. You know, really, that's that's one of the things. Um, uh, it's not really really a, a personal um, type of activity, but it's more on the business side. So just you know, looking at what what the market is, you know, reading reports, um, you know, seeing any changes. Um, I like to see you know activity of, of new uh, new guys buying acquiring properties in a certain area. Um, because it, because it indicates change as well, mm-hmm. so I like to I like to keep up with those those type of um, you know those type of, of uh, magazines and uh, articles. Awesome, so keeping keeping your finger on the pulse is really what, what you're keeping all about. the finger on the pulse. Yes. Awesome. Who's the most influential person in your career to date? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. Um, the most influ- influential person on the business side or personal side? Doesn't matter. Whatever. Who's been the most influential? Yeah, so I would say on on the business side, there's a couple of guys here that are local that that I look up to. That you know, if I could be you know, one quarter of what these guys are, you know, have been, you know, I would love to, to be there. Um, one of one of the guys' his name is, is Swamio Agarwal here here out of Houston. Uh, on the personal side, I would say you know, definitely you know, it's been been my wife. Uh, my wife is is she's been such a supporter uh, throughout this whole entire time, um, and you know, she's been there for for me, you know, through ups and downs and. Um, you know, I couldn't do anything, you know, without her. Right. So, you know, I am where I am today, uh, because of her. So I'll give her all the credit, you know, even though I don't awesome. tell her on a, on a daily basis, you know, uh, yeah, that's for sure. For sure. Her. You got it, man. You got it. You got to have that daily spouse appreciation. Got to You got to get, get involved in that. Yeah, it's, it's good ha- stuff. Exactly. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, what, what is the number one tool you use in your real estate business? Now, when I say tool, it could be a hardware, meaning a phone or, or a person, or it could be software related, you know, like Excel, or you have a cool app that you might be using to track your tasks or whatever it might be. What's, what's the number one tool? Yes. Yes. So we actually use a few different ones. I mean, one of them is simple is Google drive. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love Google drive. I think it's, it's, it definitely has come, you know, a long ways, you know, from, you know, the very first days, it's such a, a great tool. Uh, we use it pretty much every single day, you know, Google Drive. I use Dropbox a lot. I mean, those are all simple tools that we use all the time. Uh, one of the tools that 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 I'm uh, starting to use is is Asana. Um, you know, which is a good one. It's, it's kind of like like Slack. I know there's some people out there that use Slack. It's it's another really good one. Um, so those are you know some those are softwares I guess you could say. Um, but um, but yeah, you know, other than you know your phone that we use every single day, right? But but yeah, Google Drive, Dropbox, you know, Asana, Slack. You know, those are all solid. Uh, platforms that you can use um, that will help awesome. you out for sure. Yeah, I think they're all great stuff and they're all relatively cheap and inexpensive. So you can, you can run your business from anywhere in the world as I like to do. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mate, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career to date? And what have you learned from that failure? The, the biggest failure that I have learned. Um, so I would say, man, the biggest failure. Um, I would say... On on the on, on the acquisition side, whenever you're you're looking at you know deals, if you're gonna do a five hundred six B or five hundred six C, five hundred six Cs, sure you can market, uh, but they're they're a lot tougher, um, you know, behind the scenes, uh, because uh, one one thing that I learned um, was on on a, on a recent deal was uh, just because it's a five hundred six C and you're marketing a deal, um, it doesn't mean that people are just gonna throw around you know throw you fifty grand seventy five grand. You know, they still want to know right. who you are. They still want to have, you know, have had some kind of communication with you in the past. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's not as easy as people think, right? So I, I wouldn't sure. say it's a failure. I would say it was just a learning process, you know, but I would just say that, yeah, you know, for those guys out there, you know, five six C's are, are, are good, but, you know, they're, they're not as easy as, as you would think, you know, for sure. Right, right. And I think that's a really good um you know, really good example of something that has come. It's sort of a, a newer rule uh, since you know the 2012 Job Act, Jobs Act mm-hmm. that it's come into that people are now starting to advertise online, and it's not just 
open the floodgates and all the money comes in. People still, real estate is still mano a mano. You know, they want to get to know you. They want to get to understand you before they invest a, a large sum of money in your deal. Um, one last question for you, mate, is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your circle. Where do they go? Yeah, sure. Uh, they can reach out to me on, on online, like on uh, social media. I'm all over the place, uh, you know, at the Juan Vargas. Um, or, you know, they can reach out to me through uh, email. Um, that's uh, Juan at GenWealthCapital.com. Juan at GenWealthCapital.com. I'm always happy to to talk to people, you know, to help them out any way I can or, or, or meet up here, here locally. Um, and we also host a meetup, um, you know, a monthly meetup. So it's a multifamily wealth network. Uh, you can look that up on, on meetup.com if you want to join us, you know, to one of our meetups as well. Uh, and, but and that's in Houston, right? That, that is in Houston, yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Just a few of the things that I took away from today's uh, show. I think the big thing for that, that I think my image and impression of you is that you are a grafter. You know, and grafting means that you roll up the sleeves and you get your hands dirty. I think your, your, your story at the beginning where you just, you just put one foot in front of the other, you picked up a book, you started learning, you then start out and going out and taking action on what you'd learned. I think that's a huge step and really, you know, kudos to you and, and um, you know, you've done a lot more than what most other people have done when they just don't even get started. They pick up the book and then just stop. So I think that taking that action, that hunger within you to have the change and that hunger came from a frustration of working at BMW. Uh, I can really hear it in your voice that it just it drove you to where you are today. And I know you're going to be very successful, continue to be very successful in the future. Um, and a couple of the other Thank things that, that I took away from today is obviously taking action, the self-education and getting out of your comfort, comfort zone. Self-education, ignorance is an excuse. It's all over the internet. It's, it's you know, in books. You can spend relatively little money to be really, really educated on a, on a vast array of different investing techniques uh, from single family all the way into multifamily. And you mentioned bigger pockets. Um, but also getting out of your comfort zone. And I think that is the biggest lesson I've taken away from, from you today. Um, did, did I leave anything out? No, I think you hit it, um, you hit the nail right in the head, man. I, I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, thank you for those kind words. Um, you know, everybody out there, man, make it happen. Don't be afraid, you know, make it happen and uh, get out and, and, and uh, chase your dream for sure. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we will catch up very, very soon. Thank you so much, Reed. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it, another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice and just an incredible story from Juan and how he's come from being a tradie, working for BMW, feeling so small in his world to taking out, going out and taking action, being self-educated and just making it happen. Uh, if you do want to get involved in any of what Juan does, remember he can be reached on, on, on social media at the, the Juan Vargas. Um, reach out to him on uh, Instant Messenger or Direct Messenger. Find out about his meetup, which happens in Houston, I think once a month, because it'd be a cracking event to get to. And, and I want to thank everyone who's listened to this show to, to take some time out of their day to tune in, to continue to listen, to grow their financial IQ, because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So be bold, be brave, and remember, go give life a crack. Thank you.